We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Mandak, who will get you caught up on all things Wildcats from a collective perspective that can't be found anywhere else. The latest news, the top stories, and an insider perspective to keep you in the know. Make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Maw is proudly presented by 360 Vodka. And now, the latest on K-State Athletics. Welcome into another Three Maw Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined by a lively bunch today. Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury, who is, uh, you know, you can call it his flu game today. I had one of these recently, but uh, Cole ahead of the the Kansas game coming up tomorrow is uh, is a little bit under the weather. So let's all, let's all make sure that we boost Cole's spirits here as we uh, get ready for Kansas. I don't know if he's going to have anything in the tank for some spirits tomorrow, but if he did, uh, I'm sure he would want it to be some Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon or 360 vodka from Holiday Distillery. Shout out to Holiday Distillery, great K-State folks. You know where their allegiances are going to be in the KU game coming up tomorrow, but we appreciate their support of this podcast, so make sure that if you are getting ready for the game, I know it's early, 6 o'clock, so you know you might have to sneak it in at work, um, but get your 360 vodka, get your Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon, and uh, make sure to give it a shot. Support those that support us. Unfortunately, K-State will be limping in a bit uh, after taking it on the chin in Fort Worth, double-digit loss to the Horn Frogs at TCU, Controlled from start to finish and led by as many as 25 in the game. It was it was just not not K-State's night. Looked completely out of sync. Um, as frustrating as the Butler game was earlier this year, I think this was even more so and felt like a, a more... Uh, the, the thing about this one was that it was just so staggering because we had seen K-State, particularly Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson, play so well uh, throughout the start of Big 12 play and jumping out to the 4-0 start. And they they just didn't have it. Didn't have it at all until Marquise Noel got a little bit going there at the end of the game. But I'm not sure that there was really one thing uh, that looked totally in sync from from the word go there. It was it was one of those nights that's going to get you when you're playing a team like like TCU that is a top 25 team on the road. When you play like that in the Big 12, you probably are going to get blown out. <clears throat> and you probably have a hard time getting back into the game as well. And that's what happened with Kansas State. They just turned the ball over way too much. A lot of live ball turnovers and – People are going to look at Kansas State's defense and be like, look at all these blown, all these layups that they allowed, the, the field goal percentage that they allowed, even though TCU came out of the game pretty cold. And that's why Kansas State hung around for about 10 minutes. It was because TCU wasn't making any shots. But when you turn over, 
you have that many live ball turnovers, like Jerome Tang said, then you, you kind of run into a problem where your defense is, it, it has no chance. Um, and that's why they had so many of the laps they did. But I will say, and I know we'll probably touch on it later, when you're playing this many tough games night in and night out, and that's the case in the Big 12, I think everybody's bound for this kind of performance. It's probably going to happen two or three times this year. Um, you hope that you can mitigate it a little bit to where it doesn't get out of hand as much as it did in Fort Worth. But I think this is just a product of playing in the Big 12 sometimes. And, look, it was a really tough spot, too. I know Cole said it in our group chat, so I'm sure he'll touch on it as well. But it's on the heels of four straight Big 12 wins, which is very rare, um, very tough to do. Two of those being road games at Texas and Baylor, which caught everybody's attention from a national perspective. And then you got the KU game in front of that um, right afterwards uh, at home, which is going to be one of the most highly anticipated crowds and probably Bramage Coliseum history. So I, I think it was a rough spot to be in for the Wildcats too. Yeah. I mean, I felt like things just snowballed in the game. Um, you know, they got out to the 11 to six lead and then the flurry of turnovers hit in case they just couldn't take care of the ball. Uh, and they all led, I mean, the majority of them led to points and transition for TCU uh, where case they couldn't get back. And, and that's what TCU thrives on. They're the, the top team in the country in transition points and they get 32 points off their fast break against Kansas state to K state's 13 points and, you know, 15 steals for TCU. Uh, 26 points off of turnovers. So, yeah, that they, they converted. And then second chance points. We knew that was going to be a big point of emphasis. TCU was the number two team in the Big 12 in offensive rebounding percentage coming to the game. And they converted their offensive rebounds into points. They scored 20 points on second chance. K-State only scored eight, despite having just one less offensive rebound than TCU. So really this boiled down to, to turnovers leading to easy baskets and not being able to set your defense against TCU and that they really got going um, after that. And yeah, TCU is a really good team and they're fun to watch and they're athletic, they're deep, they've got length and they get out and run. And they don't, like Jerome Tank said, they don't run a lot of offensive sets. Their, their whole goal, if you watch them in games this year, they just want to get out and run and transition. And when Mike Miles and Damian Bow get their heads down and go to the rim, they're very hard to stop. And, Obviously, when you let them get out in transition, it becomes even more difficult. So it was a, a really tough situational spot, like D.Y. said, with the KU game coming up on the heels of that. And also, you know, it, it, it's hard to ask for three straight top 25 road wins in this league. And we've seen Baylor now bounce back after K-State beat them. Baylor's really good. Texas is really good. And K-State already secured those two those victories on the road. I just didn't feel like it was all that likely or realistic that K-State was going to rattle off a fifth straight Big 12 win in that spot. Uh, is it frustrating that it became a blowout and got out of hand? Sure. But if you're going to have an off game, I think everyone would rather it have it happen against TCU than Tuesday night against KU. Yeah, and TCU, an 18-point blown lead against Texas, by the way, from from being 4-1 in the Big 12, too. So, I mean, yeah, TCU, or it's, I guess it'd be 5-1 and one, um, in, the, in the Big 12. TCU is a very good team. Very good team, no doubt about that. Uh, and yes, to me, I mean, it was just the concerning thing was, yeah, how it totally got away from them because, I mean, they, they couldn't buy a basket. They turned it over 20 times. There were 36 turnovers in total last week. I mean, they had 16 of them against Oklahoma State as well. So I guess, you know, my concern here would be they, they weren't exactly sharp offensively for most of the game against Oklahoma State either, uh, capped it off in a really fun way and found a way to grind it out and win the game. But is this... Is this the team coming back down to earth a little bit? I think is is the real 
question here when a lot of people had thoughts of, all right, they, they can maybe compete in the top three or four of this league after the start that they got off to. I, I think that that would be my question mark. Is there something really, truly off with, with Noel and Keontae Johnson, um, who in particular were leading the charge and turning the ball over, as you might expect in the first half, because they just had the ball in their hands so much. But that to me is looking at like, okay, can we write that off as a one-off or was last week kind of the start of a downward trend? I think is, is the question to me right now. I don't think it's a downward trend. I think, you know, against Oklahoma state, you're, you're getting defended at the rim so well, because that's what they do so well. And against TCU, you just cough the ball up way too much to ever really give yourself a chance, not only to set your defense, but to really set your, your offense. Right. I mean, you, we can complain about the foul situation all, all we want, and, and that was probably a real component of Saturday's game. TCU didn't whistle for the first foul until there was four minutes left in the first half, which is pretty hard to do, uh, nearly impossible. But at the same time, Kansas State's possessions were lasting five to ten seconds because they were just turning it over at such a breakneck pace. So there wasn't a ton to complain about in that regard. So I, I guess I see it as a little bit of a one-off. The shooting cooled down and was always going to. I would have been a pretty toward pace to maintain from start to finish in Big 12 play. But even without that, they can be a good team if they just take care of the basketball. Yeah, I wouldn't make too much of it. Um, you know, look, Keontae had seven turnovers. Marquise had six. It actually felt like more uh, than that. But obviously, TC was locked in on them. Uh, 13 turnovers combined between the two. But uh, I, I don't know. Like, K-State didn't get a lot from their other guys in this game either. And that becomes a key component of this, that they have to have other guys, the role guys step up. Um, look, if I'm going to take one thing encouraging from it, guys, I thought Tyke Green maybe got a little confidence. I, I know it was mostly mop-up time, but uh, he scores 11 points, and I thought he looked more confident out there. And maybe they made it a point of emphasis after the Oklahoma State game to have Tyke Green do the post-game radio uh, on with, with Wyatt and Stan. I feel like they're trying to get his confidence up and um, get him going as well because they need more from the bench. Uh, and, and Desi gives you five. You need more there. But, yeah, I, I don't think it's something to be overly concerned about. I think Naquan Tomlin will will start to give them more as well. He had eight eight points and ten rebounds in that game. What I do worry about, though, is is some teams. I think Oklahoma State threw a triangle. Did they throw a triangle in two at K-State or was it Baylor, D.Y.? Baylor. Baylor. I, I, you know, as I think about the KU game, for example, and John, say, yeah, well, yeah. you know, Bill Self is sitting there like, all right, what junk defenses can I throw out here? Because he's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 where my fear comes, right? Is you know, is he going to throw a box in one or a triangle in two at at Keontae and Noel and and put Nawan Harris manned up on on Noel, who's a good defender, and then also Kevin McCuller on Keontae Johnson, who's one of the top five defensive players in defensive rating coming back from last season in terms of returning college basketball players across the country. So they've got the the size and the matchups to match up with K-State if we if we look ahead to that KU game. And, and that's where I do worry a little bit. If you don't start to get consistently more from your role guys, teams doing stuff like that and taking away Keontae and Noel or one or the other. And the reason this game got so out of hand against TCU is just both of them had an off game at the same time. And I know you look at the final stats and see what Keontae had 18 and, and Noel had 16, but we know that they didn't play up to, to their standard and they both were off in that game. And that's what you can't have happen. You can't have both of them have a down game at once. Yeah, that, that's what I was about to say. I, I think when you, you kind of get into it, yes, you need more from your bench, but 
your bench should never be expected to really carry that much of a load. Like, for instance, Kansas is not a deep team either, if you think about it. You go up and down to what they're doing minutes-wise, and in some cases it's more than K-State for a few of their starters. If Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson both play bad, Kansas is going to lose. They don't have enough of a bench to overcome that either. Kansas State is not unique to this. The The problem for K-State is they can't have both Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel both um, play subpar. One of them has to bring it at least every game. Uh, part of that is because the bench isn't really producing at a high enough clip, but there's not too many benches in the country, maybe not any, that can make up for that loss of production. And, and I think, too, as it relates to the role, guys, it, it felt to me like just within the context of that game, when especially Marquise, like it'd be one thing if, if Keontae were just having an off game, but when Marquise is having an off game, nothing's in sync, right? And like no nobody has any confidence, and he's the guy that is typically – the floor general, knowing exactly where to distribute it, how to set guys up. And it just felt kind of like a chicken with its head cut off running around with, with him struggling the way that it was. Guys taking some bad shots. You know, I mean, there was a Desi three that I can remember being very frustrated by. Um, you know, guys like Cam Carter, I think, just function a lot better offensively when Marquise Noel is really dialed in on and, and has confidence and is moving the ball. So that's – I think some of it is like – you know, chicken or the egg, but all of it comes back to, yes, they're, they're very heavily reliant on those two, especially when one of them is a point guard uh, like Noel. You just you can't really suffer uh, an, an off night like that from from him and, and expect to win. Yeah. And they already showed against Oklahoma State, they can win without one of them playing well. That was Keontae Johnson. So he's kind of in a two game little bit of a funk right now, I would say. So maybe he bounces back and, and lights it up against KU. We'll, we'll have to see if that comes to pass, but they can play, they can win and beat good teams. I think Oklahoma State's a good team without Keontae Johnson playing well, as long as Noel is right there with him. Um, it, it, it'll be interesting to see, because it's going to happen, and I know it sucks, but what happens when Noel doesn't play well, but Keontae Johnson does? Uh, does Kansas State, is, are they still able to win with that formula? Because we haven't seen that formula I, I don't think TC was that formula because I don't think Keontae Johnson played well either. He turned the ball over seven times. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that you're running into with Keontae right now is just turnovers. Um, and when yeah. he when when he's off, you know, guys are coming around and picking his pocket when he's trying to put the ball on the deck and, and get it into the lane, which is what, you know, for so much of this year, K-State's best offense has been, all right, if we're in trouble, just throw it, throw it to key and let him kind of ISO on somebody and go to work. And and that was not working at all. And it was it was getting very frustrating. He, he spins out of that. And then and the team is like expecting that spin where he, he's going to rub off that shoulder and maybe hit some kind of jumper or go inside. And they're bringing a second defender, timing that out perfectly and swiping that ball. So in a sense, I think they've kind of figured out that move a little bit. So he's going to have to adjust to their adjustment. Were, were you guys surprised that they, they played Noel and Keontae 38 and 39 minutes in that game against TCU? Because I was proponent of, of resting those guys when it got out of hand. Um, a yeah, little bit more. I could see that. I just think those guys are too competitive. If you took them out, they'd be pissed. And I don't think it's in Jerome Tang's DNA. I understand the thinking. I just, I don't know. Those guys want to win so bad. They just don't give up. Well, here's here's the case I would make. I, one of the most next to Tyke Green, I think the most encouraging thing I saw is that I mean, dude, with like ten minutes in the game, I don't know how many points Noel had and what that stat line looked, but it was bad, bad. And I, I know you said like at the end you look at a stat line, it looks a little bit more respectable. That's because down the stretch, he actually finally started to look like 
the guy that we had seen the rest of Big 12 play. So if that got his confidence back, that was yeah. the thing I liked about it. Like at least just get his Ended confidence. Ended on a good back. note. Ended on a good note. Yep. Yeah. Like just because he he looked, I mean, I think I use this, I probably go to this example uh too many times, but he looked like the freaking uh you know, the Monstars had sucked his power out like it was Space Jam or something, and he didn't have anything there. And it was like, you know, to at least get that back and have him look like the same dude at the end of the game. I was like, okay, take take that into the week. Take that into the Kansas game, not not what you were for the first three quarters of that game. So that, you, that would be the only thing I'd say. You love that example. You you that's your you go to that well every single time. I do. I do, but it works. I mean, it works. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it looked that way for, for Key yeah. and Marquise. You going to a Muggsy Bogues, Muggsy Bogues comp there for uh, Marquise, John? Ooh, you know, the, uh, I think Muggsy Bogues was probably like four inches shorter than him, wasn't he? Yeah, he's shorter. Yeah, I don't want to insult Marquise, uh, although Muggsy Bogues is an NBA player, so I'm not sure I could be insulting uh, Marquise by making a comp to an NBA guy. But yeah, look, it, uh, I, I could go either way with it. I, I, I thought maybe they'd rest him a little bit more, but at the same time, I can understand why the coaching staff wouldn't want to send a message to the team that they're just mailing it in. Um, and not competing until the very end. And uh, I mean, they made a run and I think they cut it to 11 or 12 with what, three minutes left. So it wasn't completely out of, you know, reality. It was unlikely, but uh, look, I, I've seen KU make comebacks in like a minute and a half down 14 in games in Allen Fieldhouse. So anything can happen. It, it's uh, I, I only bring it up because like, as I look at Keontae's last six games, he's three of 19 from three. And I just start to worry a little bit about legs. And I'm not saying that he's struggling a little bit more shooting the ball because he still had tremendous games shooting from two uh, in a lot of those games. But from three, his numbers are coming back down to reality a little bit. And I think he's going to hit a hot stretch, though, soon. And maybe it'll be Tuesday night where that starts, where he hits a couple threes. Yeah, I mean, he was shooting 50% from three there, right? Like almost halfway through the season. Yeah. So that, that was, that was going to come down. Um, it was it was going to come down, unfortunately. What what do we make of so some of the post game comments? I think really caught my attention. One, Marquise Noel, I believe, said he was uh, like they were going for the home run play too much instead of kind of just taking what was there. And Jerome Tang made it a point to, I mean, and I don't really care what the real culprit is here. I think this is the right move. He made it a point to to say, hey, like we we as a coaching staff did not get these guys prepared well enough. Uh, looking at it in hindsight, we certainly had a bad plan. Our guys don't turn it over this much. We clearly did not put them in the right position. Great leadership move for sure. Um, but what, what do we think is really the, the culprit here as to what was going on? Typically when, when things like this happen, it's a little bit of both, right? I think if Marquise Noel is saying that he tried to do too much, coming from Marquise who loves trying to do too much, it probably really means that he did. So, um, I, I would tend to think that it was probably along those lines, but I, I think Jerome Tang is a sense of how they prepared too, and he's pretty transparent. So it's probably a little bit of both, but I think it's a good sign of your locker room and your team when um, there's no shortage of guys trying to take accountability for what happened after a setback of that magnitude. Crickets. Cole, you have any thoughts there? Nothing? No, I really don't. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, well, I, I think it is very interesting going into the Kansas game now, Derek, because of what you mentioned, you know, that Bill Self is going to be ready with something. You just had this first time getting blown out, uh, not playing very well at all at TCU. I, I'm, I'm very interested to see how the coaching staff does respond with this because I, 
I think a lot of what we've seen from the, the actual coaching chops, which was a question mark coming into the season, like clearly Tang can recruit, clearly he can inspire, lead, get everybody on board, but what's the actual in-game coaching like? And I think a lot of it we've seen so far this year has been pretty good uh, down to, you know, inbound plays that have been tremendous for, for a lot of this team. So we know he can, we know he can X and O it up. I, I he's earned some trust uh, with me on that so far this year, but I will be fascinated to see what, what the plan is going to be to try and work around what happened against TCU with the challenge coming up in Kansas, who, uh, you know, not perfect, not a perfect team, but certainly a great team and a, a national championship contender again this year. Yeah, they, they certainly are. There's an argument to be made. I know people will probably roll their eyes a little bit, but I think Kansas might be a little bit better this year than they were last year. Um, last year's team was a good team. It wasn't like oozing with, you know, amazing, overwhelming talent. Um, they kind of got to the national championship game with smoke and mirrors before winning it all. I think this one just has more talent, even if it's not as deep. And they're still working out some kinks at the five position, which is probably not a bad thing for K-State. So it's not, you know, that awful matchup that they saw against TCU or other teams. Because if there is one weaker, not weak, the weaker link on KU, it is their interior. They're they're just not as stout there as they typically are. They don't have a David McCormick or Silvio de Sosa or, you know, oh, what's Doak. Uh, so they don't have guys like that anymore. So. But I think if, if I had to guess what Kansas State's really been focusing on between since that loss to TCU and up until that point when the ball tips against KU, it's probably a little bit of self-assessment, just watching their own games the last two and seeing how teams are starting to defend them. Because what happened is they, they, they jumped out to that crazy offensive explosion and spurt and they were kind of getting everything that they wanted. But teams have now adjusted and now they're defending them differently. They need to find out how differently, like what those wrinkles are by watching the tape. Like, I know, cause I know Jerome tanks it after the game, you know, they helped TCU helped off the right guys perfectly. And then they were taking away the, their certain driving lanes that had been available to K state throughout most of the year. So they kind of took away everything that was almost like their go-to. So now K state has to adjust to that and find a new go-to. So it'll be interesting. I think because if I had to guess, and I know you guys talk about the junk defenses that Bill Self will toss out, more than anything, I think he's going to look at the Oklahoma State TCU t tape and say, what did they do differently defensively than Texas, Baylor, and uh, West Virginia because of what worked? Because, um, yeah, Oklahoma State and TCU both defended Kansas State much differently, and I think Bill Self's going to use that at least for a little bit to, for as long as it works. I think that will probably be um, – what we see and now can't say has to adjust to that. Now they have to adjust. Uh, you know, I, I think this is really more of just a, a one game rough patch for K state, because when we talk about the Oklahoma state game, everybody has to remember that Oklahoma state was number eight in the country, according to Ken Palm and defensive efficiency and number one in the big 12. So I, I thought their length bothered K state. And that had an impact on, on that game and more so just Oklahoma State being a really good defensive team. And then I, I have to check where TCU is in the defensive efficiency metrics, yeah. but I think they're pretty solid too. Uh, I thought I had it in my notes and I was trying to scour to find that real quick, but I couldn't find it. So um, I, I think Kate, yeah, KU's like 31st in defensive efficiency, I believe, which is still pretty darn good. Uh, and obviously I mentioned McCuller. I mean, he's a, a lockdown six foot six defender coming in from Texas tech that 
you know, gives him a lot of versatility and can defend any position on the floor because he was asked to do that at tech when he was there. So uh, that's, that's a weapon that they have. And what's interesting about KU guys is I don't, I don't know what to make of them. Obviously they're very talented and they're, they're a top five team in America where I'm a little perplexed with them is, you know, they've, they've won four games now by two, three points in big 12 play. And they, they're not running away with games in Allen Fieldhouse. So it, it's a little odd to watch them play such tight games in the Fieldhouse down the stretch. You look at the Oklahoma State game down 15 and half in Lawrence, come back, win by two. The Oklahoma game, obviously down by 10 with five minutes left, sneak away with that one. And then the Iowa State game, you know, Iowa State's got what a one point lead in the last minute of that game. And so they're not putting teams, you know, they're not, they're not blowing teams out at home right now in big 12 play. And in their two road games in big 12 play, the the two teams they played are a combined 0 and 10 in the big 12. And so they're going to be walking into a hornet's nest against Kansas state. That's going to be the toughest atmosphere they play in this season. Uh, but sometimes KU feeds off of that, right? I mean, you think about that, that's what makes you a little nervous. Sometimes they look a little rattled, but also Bill self teams can feed off that atmosphere and when their backs are against the wall, you look at the Missouri game this year, Missouri is all jacked to play KU and KU smokes them by nearly 30 points. So I don't know. It's hard to figure this KU team out because, you know, they're going to be very, very jacked up, fired up for this game. But they've also had moments in the history of this rivalry where you look at like 2015, Nigel Johnson scores 15 or 20 points on them. K-State finishes year with a losing record, had lost seven of their last eight going into that game and beats KU 70 to 63. You know, Jacob Pullen year scores 38 after K-State was in a real rut and didn't look like they were going to make the NCAA tournament coming off a heartbreaking loss to Colorado and K-State blows out number one ranked KU in Bramlage. So, uh, and then last year, who would have thought K-State would be up 20 points in that game in Manhattan with that K-State team. So this rivalry is hard to figure out, but, uh, you know, K-State for the most part plays KU close in Bramlage Coliseum. In fact, you know, I think the last eight matchups have been decided uh, the last eight losses for K-State have been decided by an average of around five points with five of them coming by four points or less. So it's going to be a close game. And I, I think it's going to be a pick when the betting line comes out. But those home games for KU, they're close. Um, and, and we're used to KU having their way at home. I get that. I think this year is a little bit different when every time you play a home game in the Big 12, it's probably against the top 30 teams. I think that's more why it's close than anything. I mean, the Big 12 – Maybe not as top-heavy um, or good at the top as it's been the last year or two, although we're seeing that unfold a little bit with KU and Texas. might be pretty special in K-State for that matter. But depth-wise, it's just never been this good. So I think that is conducive to a lot of close games at home as well. Well, and they're, they're just – I mean, <clears throat> Kansas prohibitive favorite to win it again because they're, they just – you know, I watched a lot of that Iowa State game. You just knew how that was going to play out. You knew when Oklahoma was up by 10 with five minutes left, you knew how that was going to play out. They're, they're not going to lose games at home. Um, you're you're going to have to go absolutely knock the hell out of them if you're going to beat them in that building. Uh, I will say, Cole, you bring up a good point about the Mizzou atmosphere. Like, that was a pretty raucous, rowdy atmosphere, and Kansas went in and just predictably clocked them. Now, no, also, <laughs> also, I don't – I mean, I think K-State's better than Missouri. I think that's becoming pretty clear to me at this point. Yep. But we will not have Chris Kleiman in the student section holding a sign that says five level one violations, Cole. So I think don't worry too much about the atmosphere. Like the atmosphere, will. we'll have we'll have good vibes. Oh, like you're going to be in the student section holding the sign that says five level oh, one yeah, violations? I got that. Uh, yeah. 
DY is going to be the guy holding the stat sheet up in the face of a KU guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Man, Man, I forgot about Nate, that. Nate Bucati. I forgot about that. Now, DY can't do that because he's now they move the media, you know, up in the seats. So, yeah. you know, you're not going to yeah. be able to get it. If I was right on the, the front face. row, I could, but I think that's D Scott Fritchin. So we need D Scott to do it. Okay. Somebody uh, get that man a box score. <laughs> oh, he'll have a box score. We just got to get him to, you know, do something about it. Do that. Give him a little money there to. No. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's take a break, come back, talk a little bit about the atmosphere and, and the buildup to this game. There was some controversy about the atmosphere uh, before the Oklahoma State game. And then uh, I want to I want to touch on an injury update as well when we come back. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. Okay, we're back here on Three Mod, John, Derek, and Cole with you. As far as the atmosphere, I mean, it's this. This will be the best atmosphere for a K State home game since the the Cardi game, right? The Cardi windmill dunk. Yeah, I think. Man, I think it might be better net too. I mean, I don't know. It's gonna be hard to get better net. But look, we talked about that Keontae slam against Oklahoma State, where the big crowd pop. I Unreal. thought the. Yeah, I thought the crowd pop in Bramlage for that was louder than the Cardi one. I really did. Well, I was not there for the uh, for the most recent. I was there for Cardi, and that was insane. And that's about the loudest crowd pop that I've experienced because. And I, you know, I remember having to explain. Ku Twitter, you know, took umbrage to that sort of a comment, and I was like, "Well, look, I mean, not it wasn't just the game; it was the fact that that was the game that like really put you in control of the Big Twelve race." So at that time. You know, you got to think about that Cardi moment. That had so much built into it. It's, all right, yes, you're beating Kansas here at the end of the game. You can release the nerves. Two, it was just this awesome play. I mean, you never get to see anybody throw down a windmill dunk like that. And three, you knew, all right, now we're in the driver's seat for a Big 12 championship. That's that's what all of that meant. So it was that was that was yeah. a hell of a moment. 
I think from a moment perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. There was a a lag on, uh, on my internet there that caused me to jump over you, but uh, the, uh, from a moment perspective, yeah, I was at the Cardi. I was also for the Keontae uh, moment, which still blew my mind. I, I think half the place just had their hands around their head like me that couldn't believe because where I was sitting, I thought Marquise threw that ball into the out of bounds. And I, it just blows my mind out. A guy can go up like – and Naquan earlier this year against West Virginia, how these guys go up with one hand to catch the ball, find the rim, and dunk it. I mean, you know, in the, the way that they do it and cocking the ball back. It's, these guys are such freak athletes across the board. But – uh, that was an incredible moment against Oklahoma State. It was very loud. I think still the Cardi moment was louder. Just there were more students in there um, for the Cardi moment. And from a moment perspective, that Cardi moment will compete with this KU game. But I think from a lead up perspective, before tip off, there's going to be a little bit of a different feel for this game, even a higher energy level for this game versus that game, even though K-State knew they had a chance at the Big 12. That was still early in the season as well. I think that was game seven in Big 12 play when that occurred or game eight. Uh, This is game six in Big 12 play. So we're still early in it. Um, And that game was certainly meaningful. But I think there's going to be just a little bit of a different energy. Students just getting back. K-State ranked in the top 15. Jerome Tang, we've talked about it before. This staff, uh, it's going to be nuts, man. And I'm looking forward to getting in there early. I think I'm going to, I'm going to pull Brody out of school at like two o'clock tomorrow. You know, we're going to, I'm just going to be honest with him, you know, (laughs) call the principal's office. We're going to the game. All right. I I told him he missed the big 12. He he missed school for the big 12 championship. I just pulled him out for that, that Friday, you know, we're going to live these moments up and uh, hopefully he doesn't hear too many bad things. Uh, tomorrow night against the Jayhawks and the Stands, well, yeah, I, but, I'm, uh, sitting, I'm sitting right behind him. If, if you're utilizing your, your little season ticket mini pass or whatever, I don't know if you got the high yeah. roller seats, but for me potentially on that front. Yeah, there we go. I mean, look, it's, you can say whatever you want tomorrow. It's a, a one night thing. And uh, well, you know, we'll, I did we'll hear, have... I, I did hear Brody's father say a bad word after Ty Zentner hit the game winning field goal in, uh, in Arlington. So, you know, Brody was, you know, he's right yeah, there. Well, I wish you, yeah, I can't believe you. I think that was somebody around us. That wasn't my voice that, uh, that was captured there. In fact, in fact, on my Snapchat one year flashback, John, yesterday I was watching it and, uh, it was Brody talking about needing a new basketball coach and how he was no longer talking to Bruce Weber. So, <laughs> uh, anyways, I, I don't want to divert us off topic there. It, um, it's going to be not what I worry about a little bit is just the, the atmosphere in K-State's players coming up a little out uptight early on in that game, because that's going to be on another level that these guys have not played, played in before. I mean, I know Keontae Johnson played in the sec and played at Kentucky. This is going to be a different atmosphere than what Kentucky is like. And, you know, do they get overhyped and try to make too big of a play early on and, and cause a couple turnovers? Uh, we'll see, but, DY, you mentioned it. I think the the Oklahoma State crowd just getting in front of a crowd, um, Jerome Tang, and then making such a big push for that. You know that w- that was part of that process is just to get these guys in front of bigger atmospheres. Yeah, and I was glad you touched on that a little bit too. But ever some people got annoyed by that push. You know, obviously trendy. Sell it out, sell it out, sell it out. That was because of what's going to happen on Tuesday night. I mean, Jerome Tang combs over every single little detail and takes every little thing into consideration. That's what makes him a special head coach already. Uh, And because of that, he throughout his 19 years of assistant experience at Baylor and and whatever else he's been to, he knows that 
when you play in front of that kind of atmosphere or environment and are not used to it, sometimes you can get uptight or sometimes you can go so hard because you're juiced up and your adrenaline is running so high from that boost that you're receiving from the crowd that you completely wear yourself out of the first five or 10 minutes. And then you're, you're basically jello the rest of the game and not as effective. So I think he was trying to mitigate that impact against Kansas. And that's why he wanted a full building for Oklahoma state. Um, just from reading in between the lines of what he said, you know, in press conferences and stuff of that nature, I think that was kind of the mission. And also because you want a home field court advantage, I think the crowd helped against Oklahoma State uh, and bought them a couple of calls, if if, uh, if you ask me. So I think that's important. I also think Tuesday night's going to be a little bit different just because it is KU. Kansas State is a top 15 team. They are playing for first place. You beat Kansas, you're back tied for first place again in the Big 12. So there's a lot of implications to this contest. And and I know they had this in 18-19 when you're going for a Big 12 championship as well and you, and you host Kansas, you win that game, it's rowdy. This has a chance to eclipse that if they maintain, you know, if, if they make, make it a competitive game, right? This has a chance to eclipse that. But that's just because, in my opinion, the affection between coaching staff and fan base program and fan base is much different than it was back then. And and not only that, I'll tack on top of it. The other reason that I, it has extra juice now is just because it had been three years of bad basketball. And so people have just been starved for this, like starved for, to, to get back on board and have a reason to be this excited about it. Start to build your, your weeks, your weekends around the games. And so you have that too, like, because that's why to me, I mean, honestly, it was like a cool night, even though I, you know, six o'clock on a Tuesday, I could not get away to go to the game against Oklahoma State bad as I wanted to. But it was like, you know, seeing the the, the building like that for the first time in a while, you know, it's kind of like nostalgic for me. And and you still have it reminds me so much of the early Frank, you know, peak octagon of doom. Not that it wasn't loud and rowdy during the Bruce Weber years when when they were good, uh, because it certainly was. But it was there's just like a different edge to it when it was, you know, when I was in school, uh, which was starting with the Michael Beasley year up through the end of, of Jacob Poland and Curtis Kelly, because it was new. It was new. We hadn't experienced it. Everybody, you're just so hungry uh, when you haven't experienced it like that. And I think everybody going through the last three years, that's that's added some extra edge to this and why I, I really expect that for the uh, for the crowd. I, I don't I don't know. If, I don't know if Jerome Tang is going to be able to stop the uh, the chant. At, at this one no that way no i doubt it and, and my last comment on just what we're expecting environment wise i'll be curious to see the reaction from the coaches and players just because look i've been in crazy atmospheres and environments before i covered you know can't say it's a third or fourth team that i covered and i've seen some crazy basketball games i've seen some crazy football games with loud environments right um there's not a whole lot that I haven't seen, but when I got into Bramlage Coliseum for the 2018-2019 Kansas State-Kansas game, uh, and I expect this one could be – or Kansas State-Kansas State game, and I expect this one could be even more. Um, that was quite literally probably the best crowd I've seen from start to finish, that game. And nothing really comes close to it. It kind of just takes you aback. And it almost does that because – and and I don't know that this is exactly what they want to go for, but this is what happens when these two teams play in Bridgewater Coliseum. There's just so much hate. <laughs> like yeah. I've never seen just so many angry, hateful people in one spot at one time, and it's so loud. It's so loud. 
well, what, what's going to be interesting for the players is when they're warming up 45 minutes, 50 minutes for tip, they're going to have a student section completely jam packed and they're not going to be used to that. Right. And just the yeah. booze and everything that comes out of it, uh, that's going to be unique for them that they haven't experienced um, on the Kansas state side to your point, D Y I I've said this and I, I feel like people probably scoff at this sometimes, but when Bramlage is full, when the juices are flowing, it's a big game. It's one of the, the loudest crowds in basketball in college basketball across the country. I mean, Allen Fieldhouse is obviously nuts, but I would rank Bramlage Coliseum when it's full and there's a high level of energy in there that it can, the way it's built, the way it's structured, they can be one of the best atmospheres in college basketball. And full? yeah. Yeah. Full Bramlage, full Bramlage Coliseum when Kansas is in there is the best crowd I've seen, at least when the game is, when you, when you're really locking horns, that's the best crowd that I've ever been a part of football or basketball in my time covering sports. So it'll be fun. Cause I, I think you'll see, uh, it, it, even for those coaches and players, I don't think they've quite seen anything quite like that. So it'll be interesting to see that, that aha moment, like, Oh my gosh, because I don't I mean, remember there none of these, hardly any of these guys except Curtis Kelly have ever seen a Kansas, a Kansas state atmosphere. That's the yeah. thing. I'm, I'm looking forward to what their reactions are going to be like, like after the game on, or like at the time, maybe even before the game on social, like, because yeah, they haven't, I mean, they can sit there and say like, Hey, we understand that it's going to be more, but you got to experience it. And it's because of what you said, Derek, I, I don't even know how particularly proud we should be of it, I guess, but it's because of the hate. I mean, it's like palpable. You can just like, you can cut the hate with a knife uh, when you walk into that building on that night uh, once a year, it's, it's that thick in the air. So like, yeah, it's, it's different. It's different. Yeah, I mean, the best the best atmosphere moment in the rivalry that I can recall, obviously, Michael Beasley game was nuts. But I think back to and John, were, were you at the Poland game when he scored 38 on him, the Valentine's Day game? Uh, I, I was. I, I almost didn't go because I was so pissed at that team by that point because they, they <laughs> just had the Colorado thing right before that. And they were like they were not in the tournament before that game. Yeah. And I was the preseason top five year. And I was boy, John Kurtz at that age was about done with that team and. Kind of begrudgingly uh, went to the game to watch Poland score thirty-eight. Yeah, I had a uh, I had a tough drive home from Boulder from covering that game at Colorado when the Magruder three was waved off at the buzzer and, and didn't give him much of a chance. In fact, I drove through the night after that game, got back at eight in the morning Sunday because uh, I was so pissed about the way that Colorado game went. And uh, of course, I was covering the team, so I'm not supposed to be you know a biased observer. But we all know who we kidding. Nah, I was biased. Uh, anyways, the uh, so that was a shocking game obviously the way they came out and dominated KU but do you remember when I think self the K-State self called a timeout but Sandstorm was playing and it was when K-State was up big and he sent his guys back out on the court with still like 45 seconds left in the timeout and it was just so loud and you could see the KU players like the Morris twins just looking looking around at the crowd and like what the hell is this Oh, I remember so, like, you can see like Tyrell Reed, like looking up into the stands, like, am I about to die tonight? Like, is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I hope there's a moment like that on Tuesday night. I hope there's a moment where we could get a sandstorm. Maybe. I don't know. I, I think it may return. <laughs> if they haven't, if they haven't brought it back from a non KU game, they're not going to bring it back for the KU game. Oh, it, it's it's going to oh, be played this year. No, it's getting it, played I, this year. I just don't know if it'll be tomorrow. No, you can't bring him back for the first time when KU's playing. He'll never play <laughs> again. Just more, oh, that just leads to more of a buildup. No, I think they'll do it. I think they'll do it if there's a if if the game goes. I mean, there's got to be a moment. But yeah, I think they would do it. Um, 
I don't. I don't. Think okay. So. All right. Well, well, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, I, I, Cole, back to the point about like how the game actual go actually goes. One thing I did want to throw in here. You said it's it's kind of hard to predict like how these are going to go because it's been there have been random times. I mean, K State has played some really close games at Allen Fieldhouse too with teams that you would not have thought would have much of a chance. But I my read on it kind of has been I, it didn't go as well even like during the Frank years. You know, I mean it because I think when Kansas perceives K State as a bigger threat to win the game it feels like that's when you get better performances from Kansas. I just feel like they've caught Kansas kind of sleepwalking sometimes here and and not being as on edge. And that's why I worry, you know, about this game. Like they're K-State has Kansas's full attention, I'm sure. Um, on top of them, sometimes feeding off of that atmosphere, because not only are they used to it every year in Bramlage, but they're, I mean, they get it at Allen Fieldhouse every single game. They go out there and play in that that sort of an environment. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right, John. As we look at this now, the 0708 game with Beasley, that was obviously a hyped up game, and, and KU was locked in on that. K State won, but as you look at it, like 2012, 13, the year K State won the Big 12, Bruce Weber's first year, K State lost that game in Bramlage, 59 to 55. I actually had charted the last 15 years of this matchup. You look at like 16, 17, K-State only lost 74 to 71, but that wasn't a, a great K-State team. Um, typically, when K-State is a top 15 type team, uh, KU comes in very locked in. A couple of these upsets have occurred when, when K-State's not great. But you look at 18, 19, you know, K-State was ranked. KU was ranked. Big 12 championship, you know, had amplifications, even though it was early in the year. K-State won that game by seven. Um, but you're right. I, I think they've caught them off guard on occasion. And when you know, there's the type of buildup, you know, I think KU does feed off of that in these situations. You just, I don't know, man, you're right. It's just, it's going to be very interesting. I think the, I think the start to the game is going to be huge. I mean, I think K-State needs to get off to a good start uh, and apply some game pressure to KU. So, and I, you know, when you look at the actual game, Ken Palm projects it to be a one point margin. So it's essentially a coin flip game. I mean, we're talking, that's why I said earlier, you know, the Vegas usually mimics similar to what Ken Palm projects in the advanced analytics. I expect it to be close to a pick uh for this game and and who knows what the hell to expect. It's, it's going to be great. We hope. We hope. Uh, one more break. Let, let's come back and talk about the Gasson injury and where that stands. Coming up next. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.
All right, so to, to close off this this basketball pod, um, David Gasson was included in the little pregame hype video that we saw before the TCU game, which, you know, I guess seems like a positive step in the right direction. Still has not actually played since the Radford game uh, before Christmas, so it's been a while. Uh, how, how optimistic are we that we're going to see Gasson coming up this week? I, I at least for the Kansas game, I would say he's questionable at best. I just um no more crutches, no more boot, but he didn't even like come out for warmups when we were in Fort Worth. So I think he's made progress. I'm not just not confident that it's enough progress to play against the Jayhawks on Tuesday night. As we sit here on Monday morning when we record this, we are going to speak to Coach Tang this afternoon. Some I'm probably not going to get a great update on it if I if, any, if the past is any uh, indication, but I I would be surprised if David Gasson plays against Kansas. I think I would give him a chance on Saturday, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I was driving, um, listening to the pregame radio show before the TCU game on Saturday, and and Coach Tang had said that uh, he was getting close and actually would be a game time decision for the TCU game. Now I had already known thanks to Derek when, when he said that, and that's pre-recorded earlier in the day that he wasn't going to give it a go against TCU. Um, but it does sound like it's optimistic, maybe a return within the next week. And, you know, then you gotta, you gotta start phasing him back in, right. You know, he's going to play probably seven, eight minutes early on as he gets back into shape and gets his conditioning up and knocks the rust off. But I think it's probably a little unfair to throw him out there for his first game back in a month against KU. Um, not maybe at quite a hundred percent. So, uh, although maybe that atmosphere just makes your ankle feel numb and you're, uh, you feel great out there. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but that next morning would hurt like a, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you, you want him for the long haul, right? I mean, K-State has goals just beyond this game. And so you want to make sure that he doesn't re-aggravate something by rushing him back because you've still got, you know, 12 big 12 games after this and then the big 12 tournament and hopefully the NCAA tournament. And so, if it means sitting him another game or two to make sure that he's good to go for the rest of the season, he need that extra body. You know, this is a guy that was giving you eight points and five rebounds a game. And is a big defensive rotational guy because he can guard uh, multiple positions and go out on the perimeter as well. I, I think it's important to make sure that he's at a hundred percent. I know the staff will, will be very careful with that and make sure he's good to go. So, um, but yeah, this is, this is a big week for K-State guys. I mean, if you look at the schedule, you know, if you can beat, you can beat KU. You, you got a good shot at it, a two and a week and getting off to six and one in, in big 12 play. And so uh, I look at it like this. You got Florida the next Saturday. You got a, you got a tough road game. I think it's at Iowa state next week. I, can't, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but if there's any way they could go three and one over the next four games, they're, they're sitting in tremendous shape. And if they can beat KU, I think it's, it's very likely they get to a three and one record over the next four games. Could be tough. I mean, te Texas Tech looked a lot better yeah. <laughs> on Saturday against Texas. Amen. Now that they have they have AMAC back in the yeah. lineup now. So yeah, that game will be tough. That game will be tough on on Saturday. I don't, I don't expect Tech to have thrown in the towel. But I will say, Kansas State, each, Texas Tech's been great team the last five years, right? Final Four, national championship run, Big Twelve championships. But they play Texas Tech well at home. I know now it's a completely different regime, different roster. But Kansas State's given Texas Tech fits at home. You're yeah, right. You, game last year. Yeah, you, you guys are right. And and I don't want to chalk Texas Tech up as an automatic gimme because, like you said, they, they fought Texas tooth and nail to the very end and, and led that game by double figures at one point in, in Austin. Um, and I do think Tech still has some fight in them. Uh, we'll see what happens in their next game. But if they drop to 0-6 in Big 12 play, where does that leave them mentally? 
Um, I, I don't know, but I, I think they do. They're still a good defensive team. Uh, they're not as great as they used to be over the last several years, but they still have some talent. I mean, Harmon's a really good player. Amik being back, like you guys mentioned, just in time for K-State, how lovely that is. Uh, so that'll be interesting. It's also a tough spot. I mean, K-State's going to be coming off the heels of the KU game. Win or lose against KU, it's going to be a, a letdown type spot um, for the K-State game Saturday, but it's, it's sold out for the Tech game as well. You just hope everybody comes. The Chiefs game being at 3.30 just after that game ends, you know, could have an impact on some folks. But I think for the most part, it'll be a packed house. And hopefully the energy uh, in the building lifts K-State to a victory. I mean, it's Chiefs-Jags, people. Come on. Go to, go to Tanner's as soon as the game leaves. Or, yeah, ends. It, 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 or just check the score later. It'll be fine. It's Chiefs-Jags. Jags. Wow. Okay. Wow. wow. Yeah. I said it, Cole. Right. I said it. And Trevor okay. Lawrence well, so cool because he goes into a Waffle House after the game. Okay, awesome. Just <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm not very worried about the Jaguars game. And look, it, it honestly sounds like a fun Saturday for me. You just go, uh, yes, you go straight, go straight from basketball to Aggieville and watch football. Uh, that that sounds like a blast. Yep, I'm in. I'm you in. Are you in? Oh, I'll be working. Oh. Well, I mean, Let like me meet us the second long? half for the, for the entire game. Like, come on, I can probably meet you for the second half if you give give me a spot at Tanner's. Okay, there we go. There we go. Now that's uh, you know, not a sponsor could be, not a sponsor could be. Um, our sponsor is Holiday Distillery, three sixty vodka, uh, Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon. Make sure that you go stock up. Get ready for a big week of basketball this week, whether it is the Tech game on Saturday or the Kansas game. On Tuesday night, make sure that you are stocked up and ready to go. We are going to have a football pod uh, coming out shortly to get you updated on Treshawn Ward, everything that's going on with uh, K-State football. But for now, we bid you adieu here from 3 Maw. Enjoy the Kansas game, and we will talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.